0: Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. This is Friday, the 10th day of February in the year of our Lord 2023. I will be talking about the State of the Union speech delivered last Tuesday night, February 7th by President Joe Biden. I call the speech pointless because it has become just another campaign speech filled with lies and boondoggle promises of things that can't and should not be afforded. There are always a lot of promises of a glorious new future, but it's hard to see how this old politician can lead us into such a future. Yes, it was filled with lies, or if you wish to be kind, just a lot of political puffery. This entire Castle report could be filled with nothing but a list of lies in the speech, but what would be the point? I always dread the speech, even if given by a president I personally voted for, let alone this one. This would have been a good year to return to the Jeffersonian practice, of writing a letter, having it read to Congress by a clerk. Egos are just too strong today. The allure of the TV camera is just too strong. The world press too much for today's politician to resist. The speech to a joint session of Congress is supposed to be a time for the United States to put its majesty and glory of its political system, its achievements, its power before the world for all to see. So the 80-year-old politician walks up to the podium, delivers a speech written by others, but supposedly with his advice and approval. He brags about the economy, tells us that 12 million new jobs have been created on his watch, but he knows it's more like 2 million or not quite enough. For each migrant he's invited, he doesn't mention that millions of families struggle every week to buy groceries, which are now up in price more than 20% on his watch. The same family struggled to buy gas to get to work, and it's now over $4 per gallon for many of them. The whole world sees this octogenarian president shouting, whispering, lying his way through the speech. I wonder if they know it's mostly lying, as the Republicans in the room seem to be. The atmosphere is raucous, more like a British Parliament speech reminds me of the way they shouted, Add Donald Trump, I wonder if they know, as American families know, that even for those with a decent salary, inflation outstrips wage growth, causing them to lose ground each month. He tells us that America is a unique nation, one that always bounces back from adversity stronger than before. For evidence, he cited COVID, which shut down our businesses, closed our schools, robbed us of so much today. But thanks to his efforts, covid no longer controls our lives. Well, no, Mr. President, COVID did not do all those horrible things. The health authorities backed by the government force did. I'm saying it was not COVID, but your reaction to COVID that caused the problems. I point to Sweden as evidence because Sweden did not lock down, closed businesses in that country suffered far less than we here in the U.S. did. I would suggest an apology to the millions of people whose lives were torn apart for jobs, taken away their children barred from school rather than portraying yourself as some kind of conquering hero. Apology and accountability are in order. We demand it from you and the government you lead. Perhaps the president's most cringeworthy moment was when he claimed that two years ago our democracy faced its greatest threat since the Civil War. The statement at least made me cringe and wonder how many people accept this claptrap as the truth. The truth is that two years ago we had an election in which people voted. The results of the election were contested. Those who contested it didn't claim we should have no more elections. They didn't demand we should stop being a democracy and go back to being a republic again, although we should. No column of tanks rolled down Pennsylvania Avenue. No general stepped in front of a microphone and announced that he was now the head of a military coup that would run the government from now on. Generals and contractors with their revolving doors do not have to make such crude demands because they already have control. The government already does their bidding. They make war. They build weapons to fight the war. Everybody makes out except the soldiers and the civilians who then fill the cemeteries. We had a few thoughts about energy. Coincidentally, he made an interesting admission. He chastised the oil companies for making their record profits, buying back stock and so forth. He chided them for not investing in new drilling, new wells to produce more and hold down prices. The man who has done so much to hinder, limit, and destroy the oil and gas side of energy production lectured those same companies on producing more, he admitted. A company executive asked him why his company should invest more in light of the negative business atmosphere for oil and gas projects. The companies say we're afraid you're going to shut down oil wells and oil refineries, so why should we invest in them? The president said he told them we're going to need oil for at least another decade and beyond. To that admission, the Democrats in the audience booed and hissed. But his statement is an admission that the oil industry does not invest in new production because it doesn't trust him not to bring about the industry's destruction. Attempts to destroy the oil industry are foolish. In light of the fact that we need that energy industry to energize the planet, renewables are fine and helpful complement to oil and gas if used and developed properly. A friend in the industry pointed out to me that after he heard the president's remarks, renewables then should serve along with oil, not in place of oil. Replacing oil and gas with renewables right now would be impossible unless we have some kind of desire to return to the 19th century. My friend also sent me a chart which shows that oil and gas are expected to grow and make up a majority of energy production beyond 2050. When the president warned us about the scourge of fentanyl, Republicans screamed, secure the border and it's your fault. They reminded me a little of the time when Congressman Joe Wilson shouted, you lie at Barack Obama, and he was treated rather badly for it. These are different times, less civil times. Revenge is a meal best served cold, as the poet says, when you are bombarded with 70 minutes of in-your-face lying while the liar knows he's lying. You know he's lying. He knows that you know he's lying. I suppose self-restraint is difficult. It is his fault, by the way, because the importation of fentanyl cannot be stopped or slowed with the wide-open border, so he must know that. The Constitution Article 2 says only only that the president, quote, shall from time to time give to Congress information of the State of the Union, end quote, it does not say that every year he gets a 90-minute campaign speech for free while his political opponents are to remain silent every year. It's the same old nonsense as his speech has turned into another political event or campaign rally. More laws, more spending, more things we don't need, we can't afford more wars, more weapons, more claptrap. For more irresponsible politicians, it's all just a state-financed lie. So why should it be expected to go unchallenged? What about China? There was barely a mention, even though Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene paraded around the chambers before the speech carrying a white balloon on the stick that tricked She did was to remind Congress and anyone at home if the cameras got on her that a giant Chinese balloon was allowed to complete its journey across the entire United States before the Commander in Chief acted. China saying, China spying. She said that Marjorie Taylor Greene said China spying. If anyone asked her about the balloon, the President said this quote today we are the strongest. Position in decades to compete with China or anyone else in the world, I'm committed to work with China where we can advance American interests and benefit the world, but make no mistake about it, as we made clear last week, if China threatens our sovereignty, we will act to protect our country, and we did, in quote, the balloon, 200 feet tall, weighing more than 2,000 pounds, floated across the country, clearly visible from the ground, For a week, it surveilled the U.S. land-based nuclear arsenal unchallenged. I know it's suspicious because nations use satellites for surveillance. They're more effective than balloons, but I still see this as a Chinese middle finger to the United States. What if it were a Chinese aircraft or, God forbid, a Chinese missile? Would he act or just let it cross the whole country? I'm uh, intentionally not saying much about the Republican response to the speech since it's largely irrelevant. The president focused primarily on economics. The Republican response delivered by Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders focused on what we used to call social issues. She said the difference or the divide in the country is no longer left versus right, but it's now normal versus crazy. That's, there's truth in that, of course, but I point out to her that even today, normal is now crazy. So what is the real state of the Union? What is the real state of the Union? Number one, we're on the verge of war with Russia, which could go nuclear at any time. Number two, the president told China twice that we would defend Taiwan militarily if they attacked. Number three, migrants flood our borders with 250,000 coming in December. Alone, there's so many flooding our cities that mayors are busing them to other places, including Canada. Number four, open borders for people means open borders for fentanyl, which is killing people in record numbers. Number five, violent crime, also killing people in record numbers. In fact, under new catch and release DAs, many crimes aren't even crimes anymore. Number six, homeless people flood our cities. Many of them are migrants. Number seven, the two things everyone needs, including groceries and fuel, up 20% for groceries and fuel over $4 per gallon for most. Number eight, the Chinese send a spy balloon across the entire continent. U.S. does nothing until it reaches the ocean. Number nine, the nation needs leaders, leaders badly with integrity, honesty, and most of all, honor. Finally, folks, as a State of the Union speech, my advice to the president is just write a letter. At least that's the way I see it. Until next time, folks, this is Darrell Castle. Thanks for listening.